0: E.M.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Some are getting rain. Some are not. Some are saying the crop is done. Others are just hoping that some of this rain that has come through is going to help them move forward. Lots of factors and a lot of outside market influences still affecting the way we saw the trade today. Another big drop in the soybeans. It was just red all the way across the screen. And you flip to the other side. The hogs were lower, but cattle actually turned themselves around for a Tuesday. So some good things happening for them. We're going to get all the details on what's been focused on this trade today with Mike Suzalo. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And we got to start out with the soybean market uh, because, Mike, it took a, another big drop again today. Outside market influences weather. What seems to be the biggest factor right now for the beans?
0: I think it was relying a lot upon the weather here in the last week or two, Susan. I think we can remember at the end of July a lot of the traders talking about the August uh, El Nino and the fact that we were going to have a hot, dry August. And it seemed to me that that really perked up the soybean trader in particular and kind of left the corn trader maybe left out of the mix a little bit. And I think that's why the corn and the wheat kind of continued to trade with one another uh, heading into this last week's report by usda and so i think that the beans have gone from having almost everything on their side whether it's the brazilian currency whether it's crude oil whether it's the vegetable oil market over in malaysia and indonesia um, whether it's the weather and and the the long-term maps and forecasts and now that's all kind of and china demand as well and that's all kind of i think closing in on the soybeans now where we're at a point where it's kind of make or break here are those things going to hang around and support this market or not because we have rallied this market i mean before the report came out we've taken it uh, up about three dollars a bushel in a very short period of time from from the lows and i just think the usda report coupled with the crop conditions coupled with the weather um, were the primary features to why the soybeans have turned into maybe the leader to the downside and i think we see that especially in that soybean spread, we were trading, you know, over $2 a bushel in August beans minus September beans. Now we're trading about 70 cents a bushel roughly in September beans, which is now lead month versus November beans. And I think I'd put that at the feet of the USDA report as well. We just didn't see an old crop carryover reduction and then we saw the new crop yield increase. And the burden then was on the bull to be fed, and I don't think the weather fed it.
1: All right. Well, we look at that, I was reading that they were talking about Wisconsin was one of the best spots in the upper Midwest for soybeans right now. And not a lot of talk about positivity within the I states, but it's maybe nice to see somebody else get to wear that positive hat for a bit.
0: Yeah, and I think this is where it goes back to the crop conditions. I mean, I wouldn't have argued with the USDA at all by um, taking down the corn yield like they did and leaving the bean yield alone until next month but they raised the bean yield and i think that was really an extra feature to the market and it really i think unfortunately if the wheat and the corn can't come back and that's really the hallmark of the short term analysis and recommendations for me with the clients and subscribers i work with if the fundamentals in the corn and the wheat can't give the bean support here and stop the bleeding if you will, then I think we really have to start looking at a 2008 or 2012 type sell-off where you could have a very rapid sell-off of several, you know, 2 $3 a bushel um, like we did in 2008 in particular and even to a lesser degree in 2012 because I think one thing that I don't think anybody really wants to address right now that we have to address is the relationship with China and the economy of China, if, if there is one thing out there that I think really could turn the funds negative, the soybean complex, even though the yields may be clipped here and we may not have the yields that USDA is suggesting, it could be the fact that we have a really tough situation politically on geopolitically with China and they have a really tough economic and property issue that could really be hurting them and that could then turn into a weaker demand base for our imports.
1: I was going to ask you about those economic indicators because as as they struggle and and still hearing more talks of of covid and other issues for them, how much of a pullback do we start seeing them have uh, on making any purchases?
0: Yeah, and this is where it goes back to the ample supplies of Brazil and and the size of the crop ending up being on the upper end of the estimates even though it was down versus the initial estimates. But you know, back in 2008 in July, 1663 and a low of 1354. By the time we got to September, we had a high of 1490 and a low of 1039, and I think when you look at the U.S. ending stocks of 245 million bushels, a stocks-to-use ratio of almost 5.5%, and you look at the world-ending stocks of 101 million metric tons and a stocks-to-use ratio of almost 27%, you can't exclude the idea that $11 beans is closer to the right price than 14 or 15 if you can't start talking about yield reductions, and you can't start talking about China buying more.
1: But the fact that we've seen such a drop over the last couple of days in the beans, does that give us a little bit more advantage um, as we look at the relationship with South America? Because they keep saying they've got the opportunity at least till September.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think this is where I, I would like the corn and the wheat to come in and support us here in the short term to get us to maybe the middle or end of September when we should start to pick up more business from China um, golf beans as of today's close, the United States Gulf of Mexico, around $580 a ton. When you look at Brazil's price, it's all the way up around $650 a ton. So you bring up a very valid point, and, and I think that's where we did see some Mexican purchases of soybeans for new crop, but we still don't see much coming out of China. And this is where the property market and the savings of, of individual Chinese people, I've seen statistics as high as 80% of the savings of of g- normal Chinese people is in the real estate property market, and so this is where it really is kind of a black hole when it comes to how bad is bad when it comes to real estate situation and what it could do to the to the people, and that means do they get to buy as much pork or do they go backwards in terms of what they eat?
1: All right, well stick around, folks. We got a lot more to look at, including I was reading some stuff about Russia and their wheat. Stick around, more is coming up. It's a final final bell on the Rural Radio Network.
0: At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people to provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label to our VM.
1: Welcome back to the Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. And I was doing some reading, and the Russian consulate, and they were giving some estimates for wheat production. And it sounded like we were doing a little bit of a bump in those numbers. We haven't heard a lot about Russia and wheat. Um, more has been the focus of Ukraine when it came to that breadbasket.
0: Yeah, and the numbers you have to really wonder about, Susan, at this point because of the situation we're dealing with with Russia and Ukraine as far as are the numbers as big as they're alluding to. What we know right now essentially is that they've passed the 50% mark on a little over 15 million hectares of, of, of planted acres for wheat. Um, they've got a relatively high yield right now, but I can tell you that in a key area of Ukraine, maybe more in their corn country, But in the key area of Ukraine and also a little bit of Russia, we've had some negative, you know, weather. It it has gotten into some of the European weather that was not that great. So people are talking about better yields. The Russian government uh, is raising their yields again and their production numbers again. But I'm also hearing that the quality is not going to be as good. I'm hearing also Ukrainian quality is not going to be as good. So... This is why it's so important for the soybeans to have some support from the other markets because USDA came in and took the world-ending stocks of wheat down below the lowest trade guess on one of the big news wires, and we're now at about 34% in stocks-to-use ratios when it comes to world wheat. U.S. wheat is at 315 roughly on stocks-to-use ratio. Both those numbers are the lowest since like 2013, 2014, so we should be finding some prices here that really bring in some demand, where if we don't, then we're either shipping more Ukrainian grain out or the Russian wheat crop is bigger than what I think it could be.
1: And how much pressure, when you look at what's going on globally there, the pressure that's going on here, once our harvest gets underway, what type of pressure are we going to see within this marketplace for, for U.S. producers?
0: Yeah, I think this is one of those years where I think the harvest pressure and the downside will be put in before we actually get into the fields and I think that this kind of works in the mindset that the the grains don't come in and salvage this market and bring us back up and and they don't provide the support I need then the soybeans lead us lower into the September report is essentially or roughly speaking and so by the time we actually get into the fields they've already assumed a bigger yield they've already assumed weaker demand from China And then it can be a time, I think, where the funds want to buy back. So you bring up a huge point. This is where I think the paper positions like bought puts are a better position to hedge against the funds moving their positions around and not doing as much cash selling, especially with this wide basis in this week basis in a lot of areas that I think there is some true damage in the crop already established.
1: Alright let's switch gears and take a look at this livestock side turnaround happening in the cattle market. Some thought maybe we had a bottom in place. Uh, What are you thinking?
0: Yeah it's it's kind of difficult with the cattle right now because of the drought and, and how much it's impacting us both sentiment and psychologically and also the actual cash markets, I think the market has been more firm than I would have expected in the fat cattle market here the last couple of weeks. It seems the packers seem very active, um, and it seems like maybe the last summer holiday of the season will favor beef a great deal because of this move up we've seen in the fat cattle not just the feeder cattle so we've had that normal buy feeders sell corn type mindset since the report but i've been especially impressed with the fat cattle so i want to let the fat cattle run i want to let the funds build a bigger long position but realize in fat cattle funds are already in non-commercial positions up to their highest levels since may and when it comes to the feeders the managed money net long is already up to levels not seen since february so they are building a position back in terms of a bigger net long or a smaller net short and they're also filling gaps at this point october fat cattle has a gap of around 147 uh 50 at this point and uh, i think this is really really crucial if we go through that if we can extend gains be ready to get some fats hedged as we get into that last uh seasonal and that last summer grilling seasonal weekend that we're approaching very quickly
1: are hog supplies, Mike, as, as thin as some are talking?
0: I'm sorry, again? The, the, the hog
1: supplies, are they as thin as some are talking?
0: Yeah, I think they are, and I think this is where the pork has done a lot better, and this is probably one of the reasons why, you know, with that belly season, that we saw and those big moves up in the bellies, um, that really came as almost a surprise to me because I thought that the high gas prices would really curtail some of these cuts like bacon but it seems like the consumer has been almost the exact opposite instead of going to restaurants instead of buying electronics and buying general merchandise they've really stayed on the food and they've stayed at the grocery store very very loyally and that's really paid off with some of these cuts
1: all right what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you
0: the best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. it's globalcom with two m's research.com and just sign up for a trial and that'll be free for two weeks and I'll contact you at the end.
1: All right sounds good thanks for joining us today Mike. Thank you Susan. It's been Mike Zuzlow. you can of course uh, remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or any of the platforms that you subscribe to and that's today's Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.